You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Well, man, I'm just excited again that we get to continue on in this series. Uh, We've been looking at rhythms and how we can really just kind of live out certain things in our life. And these things help us to not be better people. They help us to know Jesus more. Amen? They help us to get closer to Jesus, and in turn, we become more like Him. Right? So we're not doing these rhythms because it's a ritual that we should be doing. We're we're not adding these rhythms into our life just because we want to be good, quote-unquote, good people. Right? We're adding rhythms into our life so that we can know God more and by knowing Him, we become more like Him. And that's, that's really what I hope that we all get from this series, is that, man, we, we can be more like Jesus, but there are certain things that we're going to have to put in place in our life to be like Him. So I, I just want us to get our hearts right on that. I want us to make sure that our hearts are focusing on Jesus and not trying to be a good person. right? Because when we try to be a good person, guess what happens? We fail a lot. I try to be a good person all the time. And it just, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And what happens is, I find that the more that I focus on Jesus, the more I become like Him, and then people around me think I'm a good person. I mean, it just works like that. So, I want us to just make sure that we we have the right posture coming into this. That the posture isn't to be a good person, The posture is to be a God person. The posture is to focus strictly and solely on Jesus, who's the Savior of the world. To focus on Creator God. To focus on the the One who is transcended above all else. And that's really what my prayer is for us as we begin to just unpack these rhythms even more. We got to see in week one that Jesus had rhythms. And because Jesus had rhythms, we believe it's important for us to have rhythms, right? If Jesus is, is going to do something, we just believe that it's okay for us to do it, and it's probably wise for us to do it. So because Jesus had rhythms in His life, we believe here that we should too have rhythms. And then the question is, well, what rhythm should we have? So what we decided to do was unpack the core values of Impact Church, and while it makes up the DNA of our church, we really believe that each one of these values is, is a rhythm that we can live out individually. And the more we individually live out these rhythms, the more it becomes the DNA of this organization called Impact Church. Right? So I want you to, to take this seriously because you really play a big part. If we really want the DNA of our church family, of our church body, of this, this organism that we call Impact Church, If we want the DNA to be these certain things, it really starts with you. It starts with you living these out in your everyday life. So last week we got to talk about intimate worship. And if you were with us last week, I I told you that I'm not a very smart person and I had to keep it really simple. So our core values spelled out impact. So I would at least know what letter it started with next. So last week we looked at intimate worship, which is an I. So this week, just if, if you use just some some skills, maybe, we're, it's M, right? So that's the next, next letter. That's what we're going with. 
and it's meaningful community. So we're going to get to talk about it. And that's, that's something that we value here. We talk about life groups a lot here. We talk about our men's group, our women's group. Um, there's just different, different ways that we touch on this idea of community. But I think it would be wise for us to just back up a little bit and to discuss what community really looks like and how we can actually live in that with meaning. Because it, we should have some type of intent, right? There should be meaningful community. So I'm going to read two verses to you out of Hebrews this morning. And then we have a few more verses as we go, but I want us to focus on these two verses. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak through your word this morning, that you're honored, that you're glorified, that people's hearts are awakened to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So really quick, how, how can we get meaningful community? What does it look like? How does it work? Number one is this, incite with meaning. Now, I have a funny story about this point because as, as I was finishing up my slides last night to, to put in our uh, system that we use to, so you guys can see it on the, on the TVs, I used the wrong word for this when I was typing it out and it said entice with meaning, right? So um, my nine-year-old daughter was like, hey, dad, what's entice mean? And I was like, yeah, so I put the wrong word. We won't talk about that right now. Maybe as you get older, we'll kind of, you know, we'll hit on that a little bit, but incite. And what that means is it literally means to stir up, which we just saw in Hebrews, right? So it says in verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another. And this is, this is not just, hey, I just want to talk to you. I want to do this. This is literally inciting something. And when we think about the word incite, we usually, we usually have a negative connotation with that, right? We're inciting anger, we're inciting this or that, and it's usually bad. But here I want us to understand that we have to incite with meaning. There has to be purpose behind this. And the Scripture tells us what it should be. So what do we incite? We incite godly love. And what does godly love look like? Man, this is a big question. Because here, at least in our country, in America, we talk about love a lot. And everything is love. We love this, we love that. But what is love, right? And we're not going to talk about all that today because man, we could spend the whole year trying to describe what love is and most of us still aren't going to understand what it is at all. We're just trying, right? But this is what we know from Scripture what love is. Love is God, right? God is love. We see that in Scripture. And we see the fact that God demonstrates His love by sending Jesus to die for us even when we were sinners. So we can kind of understand a little bit about what this love is. It's sacrificial love. It's love that you don't have to do something in return to receive it. I guess it's just given, right? It's, it's unconditional. It's going to always be there. It's sacrificial. There's something that you're willing to give up to, to provide that love. This is the kind of love that we should, we should incite in one another. Now, I want you to think about just your last week driving. How many of you have loved every single person that you've seen on the street in a different car? Right? 
Now, let me, let me try to rephrase that. How many of you have yelled at another person as they're driving down the road? All right, there we go. So that's not godly love. I'm just throwing that out there to you, right? I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, I'm trying to give you a practical example. And you're like, yeah, well, they don't know what I'm saying. But here's the thing, right? People, whether they know it or not, we should offer them love. Whether they reciprocate that love or not, we should still give it. And we, we've done series here before where we've actually talked about loving our enemy and how God calls us to do that and how hard that is because we don't think that they deserve it. Have you ever met someone in your life that you just don't think they deserve to be loved? And if someone has hurt you, then that's all the more real for you. Is that people have, have treated you wrong. People have hurt you. There's been things in your life that have happened and you just don't feel like that certain people deserve to be loved. You don't feel like that they're worthy of that. I mean, I get it. I totally understand that. But here's the truth, and this is what we know, is that we don't deserve to be loved either. Is that, man, we do not deserve to be loved by God. That we didn't deserve Him sending His one and only Son to die on a cross for us. That we were sinful people. And He said, I love you enough. And although you don't deserve it, although Jesus was crucified because of our sin, God still said, hey, I love you anyway. And if unworthy, dirty people, like myself, can be loved by Almighty, Holy God, and there's nothing that someone on this earth could do to make me really believe that they don't deserve to be loved. Now, it doesn't mean they deserve to be back in your life. It doesn't mean that what they did to you was okay. It simply means that, man, they're not worthy to be loved, but neither were you. And because God still loves you, we're called to still love and show His love to them. And what community does is we get to incite that in one another is that when we're on the phone, right? Let's say that I'm talking to my buddy AJ on the phone and AJ's yelling at whatever cars he's around on I-20 and maybe some expletives fly a little bit. Not that AJ would ever do that. I'm just saying possibly that could happen. And I, I have the re responsibility as his friend living in community to say, hey man, are you really showing God's love? Are you showing God's love to whoever uh, you're yelling at right now who has no clue? So your yelling is, is really just, it's not affecting anyone but yourself. And see, that's what happens. Is that when we don't show God's love to people, yes, it may affect other people, but the, it affects us the most. Because there's something within us that is wrong. It's a heart issue within us that says, hey, there's something going on in here keeping you from loving people. So what is the issue? And it's something that we get to we get to investigate and say, hey, there's something within me that I'm not I'm not showing godly love. And sometimes we can't see that on our own. I don't know how many of you are married. I'm married and I've been we're going to celebrate 11 years soon. And that's a blessing. I mean, a big blessing. So, man, I'm excited. 
about 11 more years. Maybe we'll make it more than 11, but we're going to shoot just for 11 more right now, and then we'll see what happens after we hit 22. But man, this is, this is, what, I'm, this is what I know about my wife, is that if she thinks that I'm doing something stupid, she's going to tell me that I'm doing something stupid. Right? I don't know if husbands, if your wives are the same way, but I'm just assuming that that happens sometimes, right? And I take that, maybe not at first, maybe at first I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, but as I start to really unpack that, I'm like, man, she was right. I might text AJ and be like, hey, Ashley told me this and she was right. I'm not telling her, but she was right, so just look out for this and help me. Um, Now, on the flip side, if she's doing something, I will never tell her that she's being stupid because that doesn't work. Right? There's a double standard. Let's just be honest. You can't say that. Your wife, the wife can say it to the husband. husband cannot say it to the wife. So we have to be a little more careful how we approach that. So I'll say, hey, so have you thought about doing it this way? Right? And it's usually stay in your lane. This is me. I don't need your help. And man, my, my heart and my prayer is that she thinks about it after the initial conversation. And maybe she realizes that, yeah, maybe I should do it this way. So I say all that to say this, that's how community looks, is that we have friends that we do life with, that we incite some type of love, right, with one another. And it's not just love with one another, but it's that we're showing God's love to the world. The second thing that we incite is good works. Good works. Now, I want to be very careful here because I don't want you to ever think that good works will we'll get you to heaven because they won't, right? So we're not saved by works. We're, we're saved by the grace of God. We're saved by putting our faith in Him, His grace that covers us. But because we begin to follow Jesus, the results of that is good works. And next week we're going to talk about what those good works look like and how, how we can really, really gauge our life, right? We're going to talk about discipleship and what it looks like to live a worldly life and what it looks like to live a life of the Spirit. But this is what I want you to know about good works today is that we typically understand what it means to be bad and to be good, right? And again, we're not putting these rhythms in place to be good people, but the more that we love God, the more that good works should flow out of our life. So again, let's go back to our example of AJ cussing people out on I-20. And as he's doing that, I can say, AJ, this isn't good work flowing out of you, bro. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. And he's going to maybe continue. Maybe he stops. I don't know. But our responsibility in community is just to point it out and say, hey, I'm trying to incite good works out of you so that when people look at you, they see Jesus. Think about walking into a pitch black room and hitting the light switch. The light comes on, right? That's what we expect to happen. The light comes on, the darkness is dispelled, and we can see. So when we get saved, when we begin a relationship with Jesus, that's really what happens in our life. We're living in darkness. We begin to follow Jesus, who is the light. So a light switch should be flipped on, and the darkness should be dispelled, and we should be reflecting Jesus in our life. But here's what happens a lot of times is, We make a decision to follow Jesus, we take a step or two, and then we begin to back up. 
And there's multiple reasons for that. One of the reasons is we just we don't really understand what it means to follow him. And we need some people to come alongside us in community and help us to take those next steps of faith. We talk about all the time here how important it is to just take your next step. And your next step looks different from her next step. It looks different from his next step. It looks different from my next step. But we all have next steps to take. And it's so much easier to take those steps together. Right? When we're actually encouraging one another to do so. And when we take those steps and we begin to live in this godly love, good works overflow out of us. And when they don't, people within our community, our group of people, our village, our herd, whatever you want to call it, these people that you're doing life with, they can point that out and say, hey, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that you've been doing this or you haven't been doing this. And we get to, we just get to share with one another. Theodore Roosevelt said this, knowing what's right doesn't mean much unless you do what's right. Man, that's so, that's so convicting to me. Because, man, I know a lot about what Scripture says and I know a lot about what God wants and I know a lot about what we think would be right according to Him. But it doesn't mean much at all unless I'm doing it. And then the same is true for each one of you is that you can know everything there is to know about doing right and following Jesus. But unless you're doing it, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. And as we live in community, we get to point that kind of stuff out to one another. So meaningful community is inciting with meaning. And then number two is this intentional about meeting. We see again in Hebrews 10 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And man, if you if you break this down and you really look at the Greek of this, the meeting together is a more of a corporate type meeting like we're doing right now. It's just getting together and not forsaking that. But it's also a, a more intimate setting as well. So we talk about two things here. We talk about our worship service on Sunday, which is this, and how important it is. And then we talk about our, our groups. And that's a more intimate setting where we can really dive in with one another and learn about each other and grow together on a more intimate, personal level. And here's the thing about both of those. We must be intentional about meeting. We can't neglect the meeting with one another. And we live in a, in a day and age where it's so easy to say, nope, not going, it's not important. And then that's dangerous. It's a dangerous way to live because we begin to lose the community aspect of our relationships. And God exists in community, right? In Genesis, He said, you know, we're together. We did this. God was, was in community from the very beginning. And because He was in community, because He exists in community, why would we ever think that we should exist outside of it? He never intended for us to go through this life alone. We must be intentional about meeting together with other believers, other people who we could do life with, who we could take those next steps of faith with. And it's so much easier to do life with other people. 
Sometimes that gets messy, right? I mean, sometimes people, they get to know you, and they really get to know you, and you don't want them to get to know you. But this is what I found over time, being a part of different groups and just trying to live in community the best I can, is this. That usually, when people find out about you, the secrets that you don't want anybody to know about, they don't judge you because they have secrets that they then share with you and you guys get to continuously help each other grow in those areas. Maybe what you're struggling with or what you're dealing with or the situation that you're going through is something someone else has already had victory over. And they get to help you and give you wisdom and, and guide you through the season that you're in and vice versa. Maybe you can guide someone else through a certain season as well. That's the beauty of community is that as people get to know you, they don't judge you. They begin to love you even more. They begin to, to encourage you even more. But we're so quick to make excuses of why we can't meet together. And, and Sundays are important. It's important for us to gather together corporately and to worship. And it just does something, right, for our spirit, for our hearts. We get to lift up the name of Jesus together as a group of people. And I don't know about you, but when I don't do this on Sunday, man, my, my week's a little different. And I know that sounds cliche, but that's just real in my life. I'm just telling you how it is for me. Man, my week's different. We Sometimes we just do online-only service, and even that's different, right? It's just different to, to be online. Although we love the... The ability to do that, we love the ability that people can just meet with us wherever they are. But there's just no replacement of meeting together in the same place, lifting up the name of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you. Man, don't forsake that. Be intentional about meeting on Sunday mornings. But not just Sunday mornings. Be intentional about being a part of a group. Now we had our men's uh, first men's group of the year yesterday, and and we had good good food, good conversation, and we got some good plans for this year. It's going to be fun, and it's important for us to meet together, uh, specifically as men, because man, men don't like to share stuff with one another, right? But it's so powerful when we begin to open up. And that's not just the case for men, it's the case for women, it's the case for couples, it's the case for any individual, that there's power in being transparent. And as we begin to open up with one another, and we begin to really do life together and show our heart, show our strength, show our weaknesses, show our struggles, share in our victories, then life begins to change because we're doing it together as a group. Our life groups are starting back on the 26th of this month, we'll be meeting on Wednesdays. There'll be a six-week uh, study starting on the 26th. We'll be meeting downtown in Harlem at Southern Dance Company. We'll be meeting in there on Wednesday nights. Doors will open at 6.30. Um, the study will start at 6.45. So that's just a shameless plug for life groups. But they start back. Uh, we'll all meet together in one location. And as we see the need, we'll break into smaller groups after the, the teaching time of that but we'll have some snacks and some refreshments and um, it's going to be fun so but 
I don't want you to miss these type of things. And I, I want you to hear my heart. It's not because, man, I'm trying to, as the pastor, have, you know, 3,000 people show up. It's because I know the importance of meeting together. We say this a lot, but you don't have to be involved at impact. We just want you involved somewhere. We don't want you to forsake the assembling together at all, whether it's here or whether it's down the street, whether it's in a different state, wherever that may be. We just want you plugged in at a place where the gospel is being presented and where you can take steps of faith with other people. Now, we would love for that to be here. and We would love to walk with you through that. But the most important thing is you just you're intentional about it. Be intentional. Start something new. Add this rhythm to your life. Maybe you've never been a part of a group before, and that scares you. And I get it. But man, I want to invite you to at least try it out and just see what you think. And nobody's going to ask you to share your entire story the first time you show up. No, we're just gonna we're gonna pray with you. We're gonna pray for you. And that brings us to this uh, third point here: is the involvement in managing. And you say, well. I don't understand how managing has anything to do with this, but man, I want you to understand that we get to help each other manage life. And you should want to be involved in the managing of life. Not just your life, but the life of other people. That doesn't mean that you take over. That doesn't mean that you make decisions for people. It means that you're involved in helping people do life. Man, we, we have a, a unique community here because a lot of people live in in the same neighborhood right so i live in cornerstone creek a lot of people live there a lot of people live on the same road actually in that neighborhood and we've just we've built a type of community to where man i need you to come over and watch the kids can i drop my kids off here can we do this this is what i'm struggling with and we've built that type of community to where we're involved in managing life together and you have to be willing to do that that means you have to be willing to invite people into your life, but you also have to be willing to serve and to give to other people. We see in 1 Thessalonians, it says this, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So we see four things here, to admonish the idle, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, and to be patient with everybody. This is our duty. This is how we get involved with managing life with other people is that when they're not doing what they're supposed to do, when they're being idle, we admonish them in love. When they're struggling and when they're down and when they're disheartened, guess what we get to do? We get to be an encouragement to them. When they're weak and they just can't push forward, guess what we get to do? We get to help them. And above all, we get to be patient. And we're going to be involved in other people's life by doing these things. But we're also going to expect other people to do the same for us. It's a, it's a rotating thing, right? It's an involvement of all parties within the group. This is what meaningful community looks like. Galatians 6.2, which is our favorite verse about community, says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I don't know how many of you have burdens sitting in this place right now but when you begin to live life with other people they begin to bear those burdens with you 
they begin to, to share in your disappointment. They begin to share in your, in your uh, situation. They begin to share in your prayers. They begin to truly do life with you. They bear those burdens with you. And then once you begin to receive victory, they celebrate with you. We've said this before. This is what, this is what life groups are like. This is what community is like. Say that you have a group. Y'all do life together. Someone's pregnant, right? They're about to have a baby. And they have the baby. This is what the life group does. The life group, they, they pray, obviously, for the people. They usually set up some type of meal train for their, you know, in their group. They get some other people involved to take care of one of their life group members. But it's not just you had a baby. It's your life group had a baby. They get to help in the raising of your baby. And if you're like me, praise God for that. I need people helping me raise my kids. I'll have a sign-up sheet if we need to. Y'all can come over anytime. We'll have some time slots. I'm with them all day tomorrow by myself. Y'all feel free to come over and help. But the truth of the matter is this. We can't do life by ourselves. There's going to be times that you don't want to fight. You're going to be going through situations and have circumstances in your life where you just don't want to fight anymore. You don't feel like it. And this is what we have to do. We have to get friends that fight for you even when you don't feel like fighting for yourself. You should have people in your community that will fight for you even when you don't want to fight for yourself. And there's going to be times that you just, you, you want to give up. You don't want to fight anymore. It's too hard. Life has gotten just out of control for you. And it makes all the difference when there's people in your corner fighting for you. Even when you won't fight for yourself. We're going to close with this this morning, but I want to encourage I want to encourage you this morning because I don't want you to ever feel like that small groups is just something that doesn't matter or that Sunday morning is something that doesn't really matter. We need we need each other. We need each other. And what happens is as we as we start to to go through life and we begin to invite other people in, we begin to see the importance of that community. I want you to look at this as a, as a relationship type thing because that's what it is. But all relationships, most of the time, start out with just getting to know one another. And you introduce yourself. Maybe, maybe you go to a, to a game or you take your kids to the park or whatever it may be, but it's just a, a type of introduction where you, you kind of meet somebody, you get to know a little bit about them, you kind of figure out if you like them or not, if we're going to be honest. And, man, sometimes it clicks and you just want to continue talking and just, you know, build a friendship or a relationship with that person. And sometimes, if we're going to be honest, we're like, yep, that was enough. Like, I don't need to hang out with them anymore. I'm still going to be nice to them, but there's just not really much there. And really, that's the same way community works. There's going to be some people that you just really don't feel connected to, you don't want to do community with. And that's okay. 
You don't have to feel bad about that. But I'm a firm believer that God puts people in a place for a reason. So we're here this morning for a reason, whatever that reason is for you. We're here for whatever reason God has. And community is being discussed. So I think that if we can really just dig deep within, we can say, hey, so there's probably people in this room that it would be a good fit for me to do life with. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, I don't know everybody in this room, and that's okay. I want to challenge you to, to make an introduction today before you leave this place. If you don't know someone, introduce yourself to them. Now, if you are a part of Impact, I'm encouraging you to take that first step and, and introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. Let's get serious about meeting together. Let's get serious about really inciting one another to godly love and the good works. If we really want our life to be different, if we really want it to look like Jesus, Jesus did life with people. We all know that there were 12 disciples, and as we've discussed, man, He had even... A, a smaller group than that with just three other disciples where he would just always meet together intimately and, and specifically with these other three guys. Because he understood the importance of community. And I don't want you to go through life by yourself. It's miserable and it's not the way that God intended for us to live. So I want to challenge you this morning to to get to know people in this room. We have we have a lot of people that again stayed home and they're with us online. I mean, I'm just going to I'm going to ask you when you get back here to introduce yourself to some people that you don't know, to get plugged into to groups here. To really believe that God has something bigger for your life. To believe that you can become more like him. To believe that you can be a better husband, that you could be a better wife, that you could be a better father, that you could be a better mother. And when I say better, I mean more godly. That you could become more like Him. That should be our goal is to give Him honor and glory. And the best way to honor Him is to bear His image the way that He intended for us to bear it. We're image bearers of Christ. We get to reflect Him. Man, that's the greatest responsibility that we'll ever have. Is showing people God's love. Are you doing that? Are you living life in community? Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.